0: Okay, we've been in this series, we're kind of in the middle of a series about the seven deadly sins. And today, we get to talk about lust. I am super excited to bring this to you. Not really. Okay, anyway. One of those topics that really you have to talk about, you really need to talk about. Uh, interesting to me that this was a topic... Now, remember, the seven deadly sins, it's not It's not like a list found in Scripture um, specifically. But there was a guy in about 300 A.D. that began to look at uh, consistent themes throughout Scripture, things we struggle with. And so, 1,700 years ago, this guy said, Hey, you know, we struggle with lust. And I don't know if you've noticed, but it hadn't gotten any better. And so we still struggle with lust, and so we're going to talk about that today. And, and there's a toilet on stage, and I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, I want you to know I know it's there. Uh, we're having a fundraiser to have new, add new bathrooms. And so, uh, not really, it's going to be a great illustration, hopefully. Here's what you need to do. I think this is going to be a great illustration. And if it really stinks, you need to come up to me after the service is over with and say, that was really a great illustration, because I I need to feel like it was good, even if it doesn't turn out to be good. Okay, so here we go. We're at epic fail. Our big idea for the day is that God gave us an urge to merge. It's a God-given thing, but it is within boundaries. Now, God is a strategic thinker. I don't know if you ever noticed this, but there's some strategy around what he does and what he did and how he set things up. And my daughter, Elise, uh, she's been studying, like, the moon phases. And, and she told me yesterday that the moon controls the, uh, the, uh, the tides and those kind of things. Did you all know that? Yeah. I knew it, too. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, but she's telling me these things. So, there's, God has a strategy around everything he did, uh, everything he created. And there's a strategy around our urge to merge. Now, if you have your outlines, and you do, if you received a program and you came in, you like to fill in uh, the notes, that's great. If not, there's going to be a test. You really should. Uh, But uh, if not, there's not really going to be a test. I'm just teasing. But if not, then you don't have to look at it. But uh, here are the first couple of blanks. God intended sexual desire and the uniting of a man and woman in marriage for two strategic purposes, two things, to build that relationship and to build a family. These are the things that... uh, Our urge to merge does for us. Now, problems occur, and it it is rampant in our society today. When we lose sight of this, let's talk about the first one first. This building of the relationship. In our society, uh, almost the, the consistent, constant message of our world is that the urge to merge is to satisfy me. It's kind of about me and my desires and what I want, and it's my fulfillment, and this is what makes me happy, and remember we talked about last week, there's kind of two messages that are out there all the time, and that is, you know, if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right, remember that one, and and uh, if it feels good, do it, and that's really kind of very, um, it's very self-centered, it's very narcissistic, it's kind of about me, and this is where we get into trouble now I'm going to tell you this old story you probably heard it before and that's okay it's supposed to be funny if you throw a laugh my way that'd be great but you may have heard it already but it kind of it makes a bigger point and I'm gonna tell it anyway okay little girl she goes to her mother and she said mom uh, I don't know how you know life started and all that and and can you tell me can you tell me where everything came from how, how did how did mankind begin you know where do we come from and she explains God created Adam and Eve and and that they you know, had kids, and that's what we developed from that. That's where we came from. A couple days later, the same little girl, she goes to her dad. She says, Daddy, where did we come from? And he explains, you know, we we're, we're animals, and we were monkeys, and we evolved, and th- that's where we came from. Now, the girl is super confused, so she goes back to her mother. She says, Mom, I don't understand. Uh, you tell me we came from God and Adam and Eve, and Daddy tells, us, tells me that we came from monkeys, and I don't quite get it. And the mom said, Well, let me explain. I was telling you about my side of the family, and your dad was telling you about his <laughs> side of the family. Oh, that's good. You Maybe you haven't heard that. Okay. All right. All right. Well, well, we live in a world that tells us that we are no better than the animals. In fact, we are just educated animals. That when we have this urge to merge, it is irresistible, and we're just like dogs in heat. We're just like deer in roe. Or whatever that's called, we're just like uh, fish and spawn rut. It's called ruts, right? I was checking you. Good job. Um, fish and spawn. I mean, it, it's like we can't resist this. Is the sort of the notion we're just educated animals. Now let me ask you this question: If 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 you were thirsty, if you were thirsty, you know you know what's inside a toilet? Uh, keep it clean. Uh, water water right so if i was thirsty enough i could drink out of the toilet i don't know if it's supposed to drip like that but anyway all right i could drink this water now it would satisfy me it it would uh quench my thirst It, it would serve a purpose but who drinks out of a toilet you may have these at your house dogs right how many how many people's dog drinks out of a toilet how many of you let them lick you on the lips don't show it no 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 just just bothers me sorry it's like a little thing for me okay okay so we could drink this and if i took a 12 mile hike and i was super parched and and i came home and for some reason miriam forgot to pay the water bill and there's no water and there's no water bottles in the fridge. And I am about to die and I can't make it to my neighbor's house. And I'm, like, I'm kind of crawling on the ground. If, if this was my last source of water, could I drink it? Sure, I, I, I could drink this. It would quench my thirst for a while. But it wouldn't be healthy. And frankly, it's gross. I, I can do it. Uh, It's possible. I'm going to move this because it's going to bother me. Uh, Put it right here. I may come back to it. Oh, there's a water spot. Uh, Okay, you can't see that, can you? We're tempted. We get tempted with lust. Let me show you a text, 1 Corinthians. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. We, We have a commonality to us about this. And God is faithful. He'll not allow you to be tempted more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he'll show you a way out. This is the difference between we're just educated animals or we can prevent things from happening. It's called a free will. In fact, we can drink this water, but Jesus said this. He said, God said we're created in, in his image. We're not just animals in heat. And then Jesus said, those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty. And then he talks about it, it's like an artesian well bubbling a fresh spring water. Now if you had a choice, everyone in here, if you had a choice between toilet water and spring water, I would suspect you would choose spring water. And we're going to talk about this whole thing today. That the world tells us this is just the same it's kind of toilet water, and it entices us, and it's kind of, it's kind of, I I mean, God gave us this urge to merge, and it has boundaries. The boundaries are, you know, in marriage, in heterosexual marriage, that's what God designed. He did it because it's best for us. This is the way he planned it. He's a strategic thinker, remember? And he strategically planned this is the way, yet we're told that All love is the same, and everybody's the same, and it's not all the same. It's not, it's just not. God gives us instruction in Scripture. This is how it's supposed to be. And if we want the best way, now this will satisfy our thirst. But if we want the best way, then God tells us what the best way is. So, temptation, temptation happens. It's kind of part of being a human. In fact, Jesus was even tempted. Look what it says. Jesus was tempted just as we are. The only difference, he didn't sin. He, did, he never gave in to a temptation. Now, temptations like this. There's a, in, in Fort Worth, in Arlington, there's a, a water park called Hurricane Harbor. Anybody ever been there? You should go. It's in Arlington, Texas. Let's go after this road trip. All right. There's this ride at Hurricane Harbor. It's called Der Stuka. That's German for only stupid people ride this. That's what that means. (laughs) 72 feet tall. You you climb this sort of spiral staircase to get, it's not stairs, but a a spiral ramp to get to the top. It was sort of odd to me that every other ride had a billion people standing. There's not much of a line for this one. So my girls were 13, 14 years old. I had a couple of them, and they said, Daddy, let's go ride that. And I'm thinking, you're not going to ride that. So I walked up with them, knowing in my heart of hearts they are going to chicken out, because there's no way. Once you get 72 feet in the air, you look down, it is scary as it can be. So we get to the top, and I'm thinking, my, my girls aren't going to go. We'll get to walk back down, and I'll be a, you know, kind of a big, cool guy. And I, I would have gone, but you, well... My oldest daughter, she'd have jumped off of it without water. I mean, she's just, she is a daredevil. So she runs, she gets in there, and boom, she's gone. Well, now one, once one of them went, now my prayer is that the other one won't want to go, and I can walk her down. You know, I'll, I'll walk with you, Mallory. No, Mallory went too. Boom. Now it's my turn. Okay. This is how you, you kind of you lay down. And you cross your arms and legs like you're in a coffin, uh, is how it feels. There's a reason for this, because you're going to die. That's what they're telling you. You could die at this. And then some little pimple-faced kid has his foot there. He won't let you go until it's clear. And then he says, you go on. <laughs> uh, uh, um. And you have to kind of scoot yourself to the end. And your legs kind of dangle over, you know. And you're still not down yet, though, right? Temptation, you don't take the plunge until you take the plunge. To the very end, you can, I could have gotten out, I could have walked back, but no, I did it, I did it, I I did it. Um, Have you ever heard of of the atomic wedgie? Anyway, 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 unimportant. Temptation is like this. You you don't you don't have to. There's a way out. We saw a text a minute ago. First Corinthians. There's a way out. God will never allow you to be tempted beyond what you have control. You say yes or no. There, when I was a kid, there was a show and there was a guy who who would say the devil made me do it. No 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 no. You you choose. We choose. We're, we're more than educated animals. We choose. And and we let temptation fester, and we let it grow, and when it does, we go down, and we go down fast, and we go down, and it hurts. Temptation, for a season, is pleasurable, but ultimately it hurts us. So we're going to talk about, how do we avoid it? What can we do to prevent lust from getting the best of me? Because I think most of us want that. How can we... How can we, uh, how can we uh, prevent lust getting the best of us? So, I have about five or six things. Number one, commit to keeping God's standards in advance. You commit in advance. I don't know how it is here in South Carolina. It's probably similar to Kentucky. But in the winter, when they have a, like a winter storm warning in Kentucky, um, every redneck I know goes to Walmart. What do they buy? Milk, the staples, right? Milk, bread, water, RC Cola, moon pies, skull. All the stuff you gotta have, right? All the stuff you gotta have. Now, that's called prevention. In fact, if you drop a snow cone in Kentucky, they'll cancel school. I, I mean, really, it's, uh, it's nuts. So I don't know how it is here, but it's really crazy there. What's well, called being prepared? You know, we, we try to be prepared. And in scripture it says this, how can a young person, it's it's applicable to old people too, so if you're old it works for us too, how can a young person live a pure life by obeying your word? God has a standard, he tells us what the standard is, he is the creator, he knows how we work best, he understands how that we work and he knows how we work best, and so he tells us in scripture this is what's best, can you do this? Yeah, but there's a better way, there's a better way. I'm going to tell you the better way, and he tells us this better way. Now, the big question in life is what's your authority for the values you have? Is your authority what your professor says at college? Here's something Andy Stanley said one time that just really stuck with me. Just because somebody's smarter than you doesn't mean they're righter than you. That they can be smarter than you, they may not have they may not be right. They can tell you their opinion, it doesn't make it right. And so we're told this by people who have more education than us. And then we, we think, well, we have to believe it because he's smarter than us. No, no, no. People can be smarter than you, but it doesn't make them righter than you. And, and so it could be your professor kind of telling you what to think, or your peers. Oh, good grief, our peers. And, and they say well this this is the way it ought to be and and or society tells us her current opinion public opinion or there's God's standard i mean we get to choose and somebody is giving you values they're they're teaching you about somebody's doing this who is it (laughs) that's the question and and so with, with scripture it helps me know what god wants me to do it helps me know how to do it um God tells me this is the way it should be, uh, that sex is confined to marriage, uh, heterosexual marriage. This is how it's supposed to work. This is what's best. Uh, Anything outside the bounds isn't good for you. It's drinking water out of a toilet. Now, people will say, well, if God really loved me, he would just let me be free to do what I wanted to do. It is the most inane argument I have ever heard. Because anybody with children knows you don't let them just do what they want to do. My my kids would have run into the road without... I mean, I had to tell them, stop. We put fences up because we want our kids to have boundaries. Because we love them, we put up boundaries. Because God loves us, he puts up boundaries. So, who's going to be your authority in in your value system? Is it going to be public opinion... Is it going to be a professor, your friends? Is it going to be God's word? You get to choose. Remember, there's no temptation beyond what you get to choose. You get to choose first. You get to choose. All right, number two, cultivate your marriage. If you're not married yet, when you get married, cultivate your marriage. Now, the reason we have PG is really for this verse today. My brothers are going to be writing this down. This is a great verse. Every brother is going to love this. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing to you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. It's in the scriptures, my brothers. All right. There'll be cats getting tattoos tomorrow, you know. Proverbs 5 18 and 19. Yes. In the scriptures. In the creation story, God creates stuff, you know. He creates the trees and he says it's good. And he creates, you know, the bees, and he says it's good. And he creates the fleas, and he says it's good. You know, he creates the seas, and he says it's good. Creates man, it's good. And then he, he sees man alone, and he says, first time God ever says, this is not good. And then he creates woman. And then the first time it ever says, God said, this is very good. Guys get good. Women, very good. All right? Now... He presents this woman to Adam, and Adam uses a Hebrew word, "hapa'am," "hapa'am." Say it with me, "hapa'am." Let me translate for you. It's Hebrew. It means "woo." He was so excited he wanted to say, "I'm happy," and he turned it backwards. I mean, it's like "happy I am," "happy I am," "happy I am." I mean. <laughs> This is what he said. First time he saw her, "Hop on, hop on." So when your woman comes in tonight, "Hop on." That's what you should say. What you should say to her. Now the Bible tells us be be satisfied, um, captivated by your wife. This is we're supposed to date our mate. This is what God's intention was for us. That's why pornography is so incredibly destructive. Because it sets up a paradigm that is simply, it can't be done. There, there are no perfect bodies. There are no perfect mates. These people that look, this is why in like a business setting, uh, you know, you walk by this pretty young thing and, and she's at the secretary's desk and she's all made up, you know, she's got the makeup and the eyeliner and she's so polite can I get that for you, Mr. Jones? You know, if you're a Mr. Jones in here, I don't mean that about you. Uh, anyway, um, and, and so she, but, but you know what you don't see? You don't see this pretty young thing when she's sick, you know, when she's hurling into the to- toilet. Nobody's perfect. And so we get this, we, we look at things or we see people and we start to think, well, maybe grass is greener on the other side. Maybe, maybe I married the wrong person. You know, grass is not greener on the other side. Grass is greener where you water it. Th- this, is a, this is an agricultural fact. Water the grass in your yard. Th- this is what God tells us to do in that text a second ago. Water the grass in your yard. Here's what happens. Married couples, you're into it a couple of years, and now all of a sudden it, it just, it just kind of loses its oomph, right? Uh, He comes to bed, holy t-shirt, barely covering his big belly. She comes to bed in flannel PJs and wool socks. That's about as exciting as eating a prune, let me tell you. Not very exciting. So, so, you you make the efforts to date your mate. Cultivate your marriage. Spend date nights. Spend time together. This is so incredibly important it doesn't matter what you're doing spend some time together it, it could be you know it, if your man's a fisherman go fishing and talk to him the whole time he loves that <laughs> loves it <laughs> he really does uh, spend time together spend time together number three control your mind temptation talks about it he says it comes from our desires which entice us and drag us away these desires give birth to sinful actions here's how it works this is how it goes down Uh, my thoughts determine my feelings my feelings determine my actions my thoughts determine my feelings my feelings determine my actions if you've ever been around a great salesman this is what they'll do they'll they'll engage you in conversation how you doing today how can we help you let, let's say you're shopping for a car. Let's do car thing. Okay, we'll just talk about that. Now, what they'll do is they'll, they'll uh, say, well, we'll sit down. In the, do you feel the rich Corinthian leather? Do you sm- Take a breath. How does it smell? Doesn't it smell like a new car? Does it smell better than yours? And you're thinking, yeah, because my hoopty smells like a sock. Yes, it smells better than that. It does. It's better. And uh, it gets you know, 7,000 miles to the gallon. And you're thinking, well, my car doesn't get that. And, and, and so now, but, but they, they get you with, how do you feel about it? What, how do you feel? Now, my dad used to sell cars growing up. I, I love going to car salesmen. I love it. Because I never get a feeling about a car. I have never felt anything for a car. Will it get me from A to B? I have felt bad about cars that break down. That's not, you know, that's the only time I feel for a car. But uh, could you see yourself in this? And I'll say, well, I could see myself in it if you'll give it to me for cheap. Yes, uh, absolutely. But they're they're working on the notion that your feelings will control your actions. Your feelings will control your actions. Jesus said this. Anyone who looks on a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his head. Now, this is incredibly important. It's incredible. A temptation isn't the problem. Everybody's tempted. Temptation's not the problem. Um, Lust isn't physical attraction. Everybody has a physical attraction. Lust is the desire to possess. Lust is when it said, if I could, I would. That's like the next step. That's when you linger. This is the linger. If you've ever read this passage in the Old Testament about David, who was king, and and really this is cool because the Bible says about David he was a man for God's own heart, but this guy messed up huge. He had royal problems in his life. <laughs> that's, a, that's funny, because uh, he was the king the royal problems. is good. Anyway, one day he's on the palace roof, and he looks over the roof, and there's this beautiful woman, and, and she's bathing, and he lusts. Now, if he had gone down into the palace... And done something else, and gotten to, you know, gotten to work or gone out to war, no problem. Lust isn't the problem, or or the attraction is not the problem. Lust is what happened next. David developed a plan to be with that woman. This is lust. When I start to think through, what would it be like? Are you going to be attracted to other people? Yes, it's how God created us. However, lust is when you say. If I would, if I could, I would. you got to make a plan. Let's talk about the next one. Screen your screens. Monitor your monitors. This is kind of an internet sort of thing. Listen to this statistic from the American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers. Did you even know that existed? Evidently it does. 56 I'll give you two stats. I usually don't do a ton of stats, but these are kind of incredible to me. 56% over half. Of divorce cases involves one party having an obsessive interest in pornographic websites. Fifty-six percent of marriages that go to divorce, one of the two has a interest, an obsessive interest in pornographic websites. Of those that go to divorce, that and, and the um, the issue is um, adultery. you Get this: that of the marriages that go to divorce that involve adultery. 68% of divorce cases involving one spouse conducting an an affair with someone is because they met over the internet. I'm telling you the truth. It is so incredibly accessible. Right now, within 10 seconds, you can get pornography on your phone in this room. It, it, It is everywhere. You've got to learn to screen your screens. Jesus says the lamp of the body is the eye. If the eye is sound, your whole body will be full of light. He's not talking about the health of your eyes. He's talking about what you look at. Scientists tell us that we don't forget anything. Now, you couldn't prove it by me, but that's what they say. And you'll, you'll kind of be going along. You've seen something in your past and all of a sudden you're going and then this, this thought comes into your mind. That's because we don't forget anything. Now, David, the guy who really messed up, later wrote a verse. I will set no sinful thing in front of my eyes. This is a commitment that we make to ourselves. Now, I've had guys say to me, Oh, pastor, I can watch that and it doesn't bother me. <laughs> yeah, you're the only guy on the planet. Out of you know the 8 billion people, 7 billion people that walk this earth, you're the only one. Who Who you think you're kidding? No, you can't. No, you can't. I I heard of a couple. uh, He got the Sports Illustrated issues, right? And then there's that one issue. Y'all know which one? Swimsuit. Yes. Comes out in February, March. I don't remember now. Um, See, it's good you didn't say. (laughs) It's February 12th. Oh, see, that would have been bad. So uh, it's good. Good. It's good. It's Really good you don't know. And... When the swimsuit issue would come, he would send his wife out to get the mail and she would throw it away before he ever got to it. See, that's, that's preventative, preventative maintenance right there. That's making a plan. In fact, it's the fifth thing. It's avoiding tempting situations. I love this verse. Keep watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Jesus kind of gives us this two-part strategy: Keep watch and pray. This is what you're to do. I heard about one businessman... Um, because he traveled without his wife, but he knew what caused temptation in his life, before he would arrive, he would ask the maintenance people at the hotel where he was going to stay, and usually it was for a week or so, to take his television out of his room. He, he, would, he just had a plan, because he knew that was the thing that would tempt him, and maybe not the first night or the second night, but the, loner, the lonelier he got, the longer into the week he got, this would become his temptation. I heard about this one kid. Uh, he was a youth, and he talked to his youth pastor. And he said, man, my girlfriend and I were going too far. We're just going too far. And so the youth pastor said, well, okay, here, here's what you do. The, the kid said, you know, we would, we'll, we'll go parking, and then we go too far. And the, and the youth pastor said, well, next time you go parking, just say, let's pray before we do anything. And the kid said, "A that ruined ruin the mood. Uh, well, that's kind of the point. That's kind of the point. Those of us who are married, we have to be certain that we have friendships with people who have similar values than us. You know, it talked about in that statistic, 68% of the affairs begin on the internet. The other 32%, uh, much of the other 32% begin with friendships. It's somebody you know. And in the Bible, my daddy quoted this verse to me about a billion times. Bad company corrupts good character." Bad company corrupts good character. I I could quote that when I was seven years old because my dad told me that one a whole bunch. And this one really is, this last strategy really works great for me personally. You have to contemplate the consequences. I'm not saying all these, and maybe I think for different people it's different things. I'm giving you different strategies. Contemplating the consequences is really a big deal. It's really a big deal. Because this is what temptation does. It's short-sighted. It maximizes the benefits. It minimizes the consequences. It maximizes the benefits. Minimizes the consequences. In 1 Thessalonians it says, God's will is for you to be holy, so stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passions like the pagans do. Not... Who, who do not know God and his ways. Now, kind of two different sort of consequences. There's the the good consequences of this is how I feel when I resist temptation. It, it is a great feeling because I know when I've not resisted temptation in my life, I've felt like dirt. You, you have to then live with guilt and you have to wrestle with that. And it is... Man, God doesn't want us to wrestle with guilt. I mean, he sets these standards because he knows what's best for us. Those of us who've ever lived with guilt, we understand this. Guilt, guilt stinks. I, I want to end with one story. It's got named David Heg, and he wrote a book called The Obedience Option. Now, Hegg is a pastor. He had a young man come into his office, a uh, teenager, uh, actually he was a college student. And, and he talked about the fact that he just couldn't resist sleeping with bunches of women. He must have been a babe magnet. I don't know. Anyway, he tells you know his pastor, "Hey, you know, I, it's just an urge that God gave me. It's irresistible. I, I can't resist." And so the pastor, man, this is wise. He said, "Well, let me ask you a question. If I were to walk into the room with you and your girlfriend as you were just getting..." ready to do this irresistible thing. And if I were to pull out my wallet and lay out 10 $100 bills, and I would to say to you, choose. Go ahead and do this or take this $1,000. Which would you do? And the boy said, well, I'd rather have the money. And there's a point to this. Something is only irresistible until something more irresistible comes along. Um, This text tells us that God's will for us is to be holy. To live lives that honor him. To do what he tells us to do. To live in such a way that we are honorable before God. And and this is our challenge before us. Temptation comes upon everyone. Everyone everyone's tempted it's not a sin to be tempted what's the old expression uh you can't keep the birds from flying over your head but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair yes temptations come to everyone it's not it's not a sin to be tempted lust is when we begin to think i would if i could And how do i make a plan and that's where you nip it and that's where you stop it then you employ this strategy that you've learned today Well, that's the message. We're going to take up an offering. Let me tell you what this is about. Um, If you're a guest with us, please don't feel like this is for you. If my ushers would come, we're going to let you ush in just a second. Uh, If you're a guest, please don't feel like this is for you. Uh, But an offering for us is an opportunity to worship, and so we're going to take that right now. Um, By the way, our property on 290, I wanted to kind of give you just a real quick update on that property. Uh, We're not there now, if you know that. Uh, We're here. This is important for you to understand. There's a church that wants to use our property. It's just a new church plant, and they're going to use it. Uh, They're going to maintain the building and the grounds and that kind of thing. That's sort of the agreement. We're not charging them anything, but we are asking that they keep things up, which is good. Also, uh, we are going to put that property uh, on the market to see what it would bear. If we could sell that property and apply that, those funds to this church, this building, which I, I really believe is this building is our building before we go to our next building. I think it's going to happen. But we can go to two services, and there are some things we can do. And I'm super thankful to our neighbors next door who let us use their parking lot in the back. Uh, that really helped us a lot. But th- that's kind of where we are, and we wanted you to know that. And, and this week in our program, we, we listed some of, the, uh, some of the stats, some giving stats that you could look at. and just so you kind of know where we are. We want to make sure that you're up to speed. So let's pray for our offering, and then I'm going to walk off, and uh, we're going to listen to our band, and we're going to give our offering. Lord, thank you for our time together today. We thank you that you love us, that you care about us. I'm thankful, Lord, that temptation isn't a sin and that you provide a way out. And I thank you for the strategy that you've given us to do that. We pray that we might honor you with every bit of who we are.